Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Trevor Baker is entitled, The Resolve of Revival. Please visit our website, www.revivalfires.org.uk, for more live streams and resources, including upcoming events. Join us for the next Healing Encounter on Saturday the 3rd of June from 4 to 6 p.m. at Revival Fires. You have nothing to lose but your sickness. Hallelujah. Okay, and so I just want to share this one before we break bread together. Um, because as you saw, that message was um, that Julie brought was us doing things together. And I know that it's great sometimes when we come forward and each one receives personal prayer. And listen, we've not given up on that. That will happen. But I feel as we've had this, we need to activate something. And not get into just because we do it this way, we're always going to do it that way. And um, I really sense that as we finish today, that we're going to ask God that we might move together. And uh, I've been really drawn again to the resolve of revival. And, you know, sometimes we hear that word resolve and um, we think, oh, here we got to put a whole lot more energy into something. And, you know, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And and yet I, I just sense that um, God's going to give us a new resolve. And I just looked up, you know, some of the definitions of resolve is to come to a definitive, earnest decision. See, it's not about doing lots of things. It's about coming to that definitive earnestness. And we have the earnestness of the Spirit. You know, it says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. And so there is an earnest that comes from the Spirit. So I'm not asking you to pull your boots up and get on and do more. I'm asking you to come to that place where you make some definitive, earnest decisions. You know, and the greatest decision is this, is to focus upon the Lord Jesus. You know, you would not do, you would not do yourself any harm of making a decision this morning and that you're earnest in that decision that you're going to come and make Jesus that central focus in your life. Do you know the way to do that? It's to read the book of Song of Solomon. Wow, that went quiet. (laughs) You know, because that begins to show us what a love relationship is like. And so here it's resolving, it's having that definitive, earnest decision. It means to settle a matter. You know, sometimes you just have to settle some things in your life. You know, yesterday, Sharon was um, all day on um, the, uh, well, not all day, a lot of the day, and looking for a holiday in France. And um, we were looking, she was looking, I say we, you know, we have this royal we. Uh, I fell asleep in the chair, okay? Um, So, um, but Sharon was doing that. And the thing was, in the end, you've got all of these different places that you can go to, all the different prices, all the different things that they've got. Do they have a dishwasher? Do they have a washing machine? Have they got Wi-Fi? I'm thinking, why would you want Wi-Fi on holiday? Huh? You know, I mean, I want to disconnect certain things, don't you? 
And, and so there's all of these, does it have a swimming pool? Is it a raised pool? Is it a low pool? How big is the pool? Does it have heating? You know, and there's all of these things. But in the end, you know, she comes to me and she I got all of these things. And I said, just pick one. You know, settle the matter. See, sometimes it's all about that. It's just settling a matter. And I'm asking you to just settle again in your own heart that you're going to be a seeker of the Lord Jesus. Listen, it's not about how many people get saved. If we're focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you, it will be impossible for you to have a life where people do not get saved by coming into contact with you. And so that's what I'm looking for, that we have a people, I think it was um, one Duncan Campbell who said this, with the Hebridean revival, it was like there was a people saturated by the presence of God. And people would come all over the place. There was a man there that was telling all these things that had happened in his own life. And they said to him, uh, a John McFarland, I think his name was, I remember it now. They said to this John McFarland, he was an historian, and he was touched powerfully by the Hebridean revival. And they said to him, so what was the meetings like? He said, I never went to a meeting. It was like God was everywhere. Do you understand? And, and I, I believe there's a, a time and there's a people which that is going to be true of again. And why not a time now? And why not a people now? And why not a place called Dudley? All the West Midlands. So that just covers most people who are here this morning. You know? And, uh, and so here it's to settle them out. It means to clear away or to dispel doubts. Do you know, when you have so many things that you're having to make decisions over, you know, there's a, a story told of um, a, um, a racquetball player in America, and uh, he was an incredible racquetball player, won all the championships, but he only had one hand. And, um, and they said to him, how is it that you are able to win all these championships with just one hand? He says, simple, I only have to make decisions based on one hand. He says, the people I play against, they're looking at making decisions on which hand to use. And so I'm always in the right place at the right time. And you see, we have to sometimes dispel certain things in our life and come to a place where we are no longer in that place of doubt again. You see, when I'm talking about the resolve of revival, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking to you about running faster, working harder, all of those things. I'm asking you to have a more devoted love to the Lord Jesus. And who wouldn't want that? Huh? Because when that happens, let me tell you, the power of God flows into your lives because there is no greater power than the power of his love. Did you hear that? There is no greater power than the power of his love. You see, there's some people who love power. That's what we're seeing all over Europe. What we're going to be seeing in our own country for the next month. Are you fed up already? You know, I'm thinking, just give me, just give me your mandates and your manifesto so I can read it. I don't need to know all the 
stuff that goes on between people. Just give it me and I'll read it and I'll make my decision based upon it. You know? But you see, there is a love of power, but there's also the power of love. And I want us to be a people who have that power of God's love flowing through us. And so here, when we start talking about the, the resolve, that's what I'm asking you to do. And, um, and then to revive, it means to activate or set in motion. Yeah, that's all you've got to is just to activate it. Do you know what an activation is? You just flip open your Bible at the Song of Solomon. Now, how difficult is that, church? Huh? I mean, come on, how difficult is that? I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you to leap over 10 feet walls. I'm not asking you to come to conference after conference, to come to the evangelist, all of those things. I'm asking you flip open a page in the Bible called the Song of Solomon. And when you do, let me tell you, I'm believing that it's going to have the power of God's love in it. And when you read it, that power of his love is going to flow into you and something is going to be activated in your lives. And so it activates and sets something in motion. You see, if you don't open it, nothing will be set in motion. But you open it and it will set certain things in motion. Listen, you read the first verse, first few verses. You want to read the second few verses. Then you want to read the next chapter. Then you want to read the next chapter. Then you start asking questions. Who's this about? Is this about Jesus or about me? Where do I fit into all of this? And very soon you're caught up in God's romancing of you. Isn't that wonderful? Come on. You see? To revive means to take up again. And, uh, and I'm going to open that up in a moment, the passage I have to share with you. But it means to take up again. And so there's some things that we may have put down and we just have to take it up again. And it's like this. It's just like you, you put your Bible down. And, uh, and listen, I know... I know that I was, I was so blessed last week when Lily told me she had a Bible reading plan. I said, I'm, I'm right in there with you. You know, I've got a Bible reading plan and you know, you've heard me say it. It's the Robert Murray McShay. Takes me through the Old Testament once, Psalms and New Testament twice a year. It's only four chapters a day. You can read that in about 10 minutes. Takes you a little bit longer if you're wanting to meditate and study and ask God to speak to you through. It takes a little bit longer than that. But you can spend 10 minutes and you can read through Old Testament, Psalms and New Testament um, twice in a year. And that's pretty good, isn't it? But you see, if you just leave it there and don't pick it up, if you don't pick up your Bible for a week, let me tell you, you won't get activated in God's love. Because you'll have nothing there for God to breathe upon. God wants to breathe upon it. And so here, so you, if you put it down, you're going to take it back up again. You're going to open it, Song of Solomon. And it says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his lips. Because your love is better than wine talks about your name is like ointment poured for therefore do the virgins love you I mean it's got wonderful language do you understand those who keep themselves pure those who are wanting to make him their first love that's all we can read in that but you see if you don't open it you don't know and then you get into some of the names and in quickly you know you're into just a wonderful a wonderful refreshing of his presence that's what happens amen 
And, but you have to open it up. You have to take it up again to be quickened or to restart or be renewed with hope. See, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled. Listen, you read Song of Solomon and you will see there how two people have longings for each other fulfilled. I mean, come on. And, uh, and so that's what it is to revive, to be quickened. The state ought to be in a state, a place of being revived. You know? Um, Sheila, um, she's got some of this um, multivitamin stuff. And I've never been one that, um, you know, thinks, oh, vitamins, you know, you have it all out of your vegetables and things like that. And, you know, just use just a normal diet and I'm going to talk about vegetables in a minute and uh, and she said and I was just feeling I was just feeling a little bit sort of jaded um, a couple of weeks ago she came up to my office Trevor you need some of this I said what is it and um, she said well it's this multivitamin um, concoction thank you Sharon <laughs> and uh, I said now, usually these type of things taste awful. And she said, no, this tastes really good. See, it's always, it's always nice to have something that's going to do you good and it tastes good. Yeah. When I was a little boy, my mom would give me cod liver oil emulsion. Emulsion. White stuff. I mean, I nearly threw up every day. But she said it was doing me good. So you're the, you're the judge of that today. You know, whether it did me good. But I took this concoction the other day. And sure enough, it was sweet. And uh, within 10 minutes, I felt filled with energy. I'm thinking, what is this? I hope there's no, you know, bad stuff in there, you know. <laughs> but, I, but I trusted Sheila. You know, I trusted she was a woman of God. And that she wasn't going to deceive me and get me hooked into something that I was going to need to get unhooked from. You know? And, um, but you see, there's things, but it revived me. Now, the thing is, I, I then went and bought 10 bottles of the stuff. No, I didn't. I, I, I'm kidding you. <laughs> okay. But I thought, you know, you can't get another good thing, you know. But I did go and buy a bottle. And... You know, she tells me I need to take it every day. Well, I'm not taking it every day. And she'll probably tell me off when she comes into work tomorrow. Have you been taking it every day? You know, I think, you know, my mom used to say that, Sheila, you know. And, uh, but you see, there's sometimes you just feel revived. And when you know that you're revived, let me, I felt revived. And is all I had to do was do that. Can you see? Is all you have to do is open. Sometimes, you see, it's the small things, and we had a word of that a few months ago. It's the small things that bring about big changes. Do you remember that word? See, and these are small things. And as we do that, listen, I'm not telling you to read four chapters a day or all the rest of it. Well, I am, but I'm not. And... Um, but do read. You know, if you were to spend some time just reading the scriptures on a regular basis, let me tell you, it would do you good. It would revive your spirit. God would breathe upon his word. 
And as he breathed upon his words, you would feel something coming into your lives. And so that for me is the resolve of revival. Now you've got to stay with me all the way through this morning, okay? And um, I'm not going to, hopefully I'm not going to take too long this morning. Because if I can get it across to you, you can go out of here with some things to put into practice this week. I believe that we could be a church that is totally revived in his presence. That's what I'm believing for, for every one of you here. So you've got to stay with me right the way through. Because if you stop halfway, or if you stop on my opening, you'll feel depressed. Okay? But you have to stay with me all the way through. Because the thing that I love about God is a realist. Do you understand? God takes you from where you are so you don't have to do anything. He knows and understands you right where you are this morning. But he always wants to get you to the place where he longs for you to be. Did you hear what I said there? Where he longs for you to be. And so it's all he wants you to do is to continue on that journey with him. And so the passage I want to read to you is from Numbers chapter 11. And uh, it's from verse 4. And listen to what it says. And the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and the garlic. What a wonderful bunch of vegetables. Huh? But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything. But manna, this manna. Now, I'm just going to unpack that for a little bit this morning. You see, the whole thing is, do you know what? Do you know what rabble is? I looked at some things about rabble. It's good too. Here it is. Rabble, and you don't need, you don't need a lot of people to mix with in order to be influenced. You see, you only need one or two people and those one or two people can do a lot of damage in your life. And so here the rabble is this. This is what they do. They bring confusion. They create turmoil. They will distract you from the main things and seek to bring you down. And the word is an old-fashioned word that was used for a pack of dogs. And so here, they would, it only needs a few, but what happens, they can create turmoil. They can create confusion. And so you see, this, this rabble was creating turmoil and confusion in the lives of the Israelites. It says, a little, this group of rabble and what happened is here it says the rabble with them began to crave and so what they craved became the things that Israel desired and so here this morning you see I believe that God wants to release wonderful provision 
over your life. And it's here, it's all focused upon them making this journey. And we're on a spiritual journey. And we're wanting God to bring us into a sense where we're seeing that which he's promised. The harvest coming in. Seeing people saved. Seeing people set free. Seeing people moving in ministry gifts. And as the church moves in ministry gifts, people are going to be so blessed around this area. Isn't that going to be great? And the thing is, you're the ones who are going to be moving in the ministry gifts. Not from here. This is the equipping place. But you then begin to move in that. And so here, God had been taking them through the wilderness. And as he's taking them through, he's providing manna for them. Listen to what manna tastes like. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like, in my Bible, it's got resin. But it's an aromatic um, resin or an aromatic um, substance, a little bit like honey. And so they were having, you know, the coriander seed, something that tasted like coriander seed. It came every morning, just dropped down from heaven. And they went out and they picked it up and they were able to grind it and then cook it. And you see, they'd been having this wonderful, wonderful experience of supernatural provision every day. Hallelujah. And you see, but it only takes a little bit of rabble. It only takes a few people who begin to cause confusion, take our sight of things. That's why we need the resolve of revival. See, and the resolve of revival is keeping our heart adhered to the Lord Jesus. That's what it is. It isn't doing great things. It isn't attending this or attending that. Listen, it's a personal walk where our hearts are throbbing with joy at God's presence. Hallelujah. And so here, this is the thing. So what happened with this group of rabbis? They reorientated the lives of the people of Israel. And listen, we can, we can have our lives reorientated. It only takes one or two complaining people. And the thing is, is what happens, they will reorientate you. They will cause you to look at people, look at situations totally different to how you looked at them before. See, nobody on the first day, the first week, the first month was going on about the manor. They were looking out of the tent and saying to each other, Don't, do you believe it? It's there again. You know, let's go out and gather some of the manor afresh today. And they'd go out again. It's there again. I mean, we can't believe this God who provides for us. And then somebody says, well, there's not much of a variety. Have you noticed that's all there is? It's manna every day. You know, what about, what about when we were back in Egypt? See, reorientating them. See, they were wanting to move on, but it only needed a few to reorientate them. And don't you remember, don't you remember the fish? Well, they couldn't even decide what it was. Because one minute they're saying they remembered the meat, then they said it's the fish. Confusion. And here, see, they reorientate our lives. 
And what end what began with worship coming out of freedom now they begin wailing because of their craving. See? That's what happened. And now the manna no longer tastes sweet. No longer is the manna a supernatural expression of God's love and devotion for them. See, they begin just to become complaining and critical. You see, I looked at this with regard to church life, and there are people who come and visit, and listen, visitors, you're most certainly welcome here. We want visitors to be so fed, get so fat, and if you haven't got a local church, that this becomes a place where you say, ha, ah, this is the place where we want to be. And then you have people who come in, and, and usually this is the, the sense. I mean, I've been here now for the last 18 years, and, and it's easy. It's easy. You can easily get to a place where you begin to complain about things that go on. See, so I'm, I'm talking to myself as well as you. And so what happens is you can pick up on the little things. You think, oh, the screen's not... You know, Ryan, what's wrong with the screen? There seems to be a film over the screen. And, you know, the, we haven't got that thing part of the worship team sorted out yet Ryan what and so what happens what was just a wonderful expression of worship now becomes critical because you're focusing and picking up on things like that rather than enjoying what God is doing through the team don't you enjoy the worship team here I mean come on you know and so it's very easy to start picking up and usually complaints are about little things a bit of manner it wasn't about big things. It was about this manner. And, and the thing is, they compared it because that's what happened. So this, and then there are those who become partakers. They, they take part. And they're part of everything that goes on, like the birds flying around. They, there's a movement here and it goes here. And what happens when they see, see the rabble coming in, they can swerve and move away from them. Can you see? That's what happens. And we need those people around us. I need those people around me who will say to me, Trevor, stop complaining. You know, Sharon's the best one for that. <laughs> you know? Focus, she'll sometimes say. Trevor, focus. And listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not a big complainer of things. But there's times, can you see? It's the little flies that spoil the perfume it's only little things a little bit of manner and you just throw a question into it is that all he can provide what about and quickly turmoil see you now have all those racing doubts see and revival or resolve is settling those doubts can you see it really works through I need to carry on so who you listen to will destroy your vision it will destroy your purpose and it will destroy your future because what happened is it orientated them back to Egypt so they were no longer looking at where God wanted to take them they were being orientated back to the past so they'd lost vision they'd lost a sense of purpose 
because now they weren't prepared to go out and pick up the manna. That's all they had to do, go out and pick up the manna. And worship, those are the two things. So manna was an aid of God's provision for them to release worship. Do you understand? So that produces a sense of grateful hearts and thankfulness in our hearts. That's what the manna is there to do. That's what God's provision is there to do in your life. And also here, let's go back. Let's listen to what it says. If only we had meat to eat, we remember. See, there's some things that you need to choose not to remember. Do you ever watch the film Beautiful Mind? Anybody watch the movie Beautiful Mind? It was a good movie. I recommend it to you. And in the Beautiful Mind, there's a phrase there, and he says, when this in the movie there's an imaginary girl who keeps coming into his mind that he sees okay because he's suffering with schizophrenia it's a true story and so there's this imaginary girl who keeps coming in and when she comes in she's real to him and so as he's beginning to understand what's going on there's one day when this and this person is coming down the steps it's not a girl it's a man who keeps appearing in his dream and this man is coming down the steps imaginary man and uh, as he begins to walk past he says these words there are certain appetites I've chosen not to feed in my life and so he walks straight past this imaginary person who was wanting to break into his life in confusion and so I feel this the same is true see when we keep remembering see there's appetites here it says but now we have lost our appetite see I'm not talking about appetites this morning see appetites are the base things Appetites are the base needs that we have. I want to talk to you about your affections. See, having that affection for the Lord Jesus Christ. See, having those, as Mike Bickle says, the superior pleasures of knowing Jesus or the inferior pleasures of meeting your own needs. See, I want you to have the superior pleasures of knowing you. I want your affections to be released to him. And out of that place of affection is what God does. He meets every need. And we're not looking then about our appetites. We're looking at how God chooses to provide for us so that we can move through life in the way that he's intended. Amen? That's good. And so here, who you listen to will destroy your vision, purpose and future. Who you listen to will disorientate you. Um, I was talking on Thursday night and I said I did some orienteering a few times. I kept getting lost. And um, the thing is, um, if you know nothing about it, you need a map, a compass. And usually you're going across terrain or you're going across making a journey um, that you've never been on before. And so what you're doing is you're depending upon the map that you've got, the compass in your hand, but you also need a bearing, the bearing where you are and where you're going to get to. And there are two, there are two bearings that you can take. You can take a magnetic north, which is based on the polar system and the magnetic north and the polar system, or you can take the true north, which is the polar, um, the polaris the, off from the, the stars that come in. I think I've got that right. Mick will sort me out later. 
And, and so the thing is this, if you go by magnetic north, you may just be a couple of degrees off true north. But when you're walking 10 miles, the tree that you're supposed to be passing and the, what do they call those little groups of rocks? Cairns. That you're supposed to, you don't see them. And so what you, that you think, well, I've, I've got this far now, it should be here, and it's not there. And you think, well, where do I go from here? So you set the compass again, now you're, you're already lost. And the thing is, it's only a couple of degrees. See, you don't have to be 10 degrees off, one degree will be enough. Over 10 mile walk, and you will be somewhere totally different than when you plan to be. And then you have to get to a phone and say, hey, Sharon, um, I'm lost. Um, I need you to come and pick me up, and I'm somewhere in the Mendip Hills. You understand? See, and it's all they need to do is to disorientate you one degree. That's all. It doesn't need to be a big thing, but just one degree, and you can go on a journey. You can go a month. You can go two months. You can go a year. You can go two or three years. And in the end, you wonder where on earth you are spiritually. You just feel lost. And you, you're looking at listening to other people, and they're talking about the man. I just want to talk to you a parable about the fish, the cucumbers, the melons, the garlic, uh, the, what is it here? The leeks, the onions, and the garlic. You know, and here... See, disoriented, we look to the past. See, and see the fish, this is the parable. The fish is that which you have to go out and catch. You have to go out and provide for yourself. See, and so often we think that we can provide better for ourselves than God providing for. Sometimes we think, well, what we can get will be better than what God provides. See, sometimes God will just give us the one meal before he's going to give us the month's supply. Sometimes God will give you the beginning of something so that you, from that beginning, can make a future. But you see, you can't reproduce fish you just have to keep going out and fishing them unless you've got a fish farm, I know. Listen, with all parables, they have a point where they break down. Okay, so don't take this to the eighth degree. I'm just giving you a parable. See, self-sufficiency. It's what you go out with your hook, your skill where the fish might be, and you pull your fish up, your provision up from your own skill, from what you're able to do. See, that's fish. What is cucumbers? And melons, cucumber and melons, are a source of refreshing. They carry, majority of what they carry is water. And so here again, it's providing for ourselves. You think we can provide refreshing for ourselves. See, it's different from a spring flowing up. See, God wants to open springs, rivers, he says, in the wilderness. You see, and is all they're doing is saying, "Hey, I, I, I just remember the. I just remember when we quenched our thirst with a melon. Come on, a cucumber. And then you have the 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 leek, the onions, and the garlic. What do they speak of? They speak of where you go and the aroma or the 
aroma that you have around you. You go out, you go out the night before and you have a lot of garlic. Or you go out if you're a couple and you've gone out and had garlic and you've come home and Sharon's had no garlic, keep away from me. You wake up in the morning and it's still, keep away from me, you know. You learn very quickly, men, not to eat garlic, you know. And so here, here you see, it's that, it's that which will cause people to know where you've eaten and also where you have been. See, and sometimes, you see, that we need to realize that we're in the wrong places. You see, with, with Jesus, it says this in, so, in Song of Solomon. I was reading this this week. In Song of Solomon, it says there that his breath was like apples. Have you ever cut an apple in half? And you, and you smell the lovely freshness of that apple. See, it's a lot different to garlic. Huh? And onions. And so here, it's about what aroma are you giving off? See, and they wanted to go back to the aroma of the past. See, what they had there. And listen to what they said. It didn't cost us anything. See how quickly you can forget what it was like. Do you know why they're good old days people talk about? You know, my dad used to talk about the war years. You know, oh, you know they were good old days, you know. People would give you this and give you that. And the same, you know, the same um, pound of sugar would go up the street and come back the next week. I mean, that's a miracle, isn't it? You know, you give it to this person, they would give it to this person. And, and probably, you know, 10 people had had a pound of sugar. I don't know how it works. And then it all comes back again. And they would talk about well, the days we were community. And you see, the thing is, they were good old days because we've moved on from them and they're no longer a threat. See, if you lived in London and you needed sugar, yes, you could have the bag of sugar, but you had to also remember there were bombs falling. That wasn't fun. That wasn't good old days. Can you see? But because we move on from things, we can think that the, the challenge of them and the experience that we went through, we forget, same as in here. It was at no cost to ourselves. Listen, it was at the cost of being in slavery. It was at the cost of being under taskmasters. It was at the cost that people would take from them the ability to make stone that they had to go ahead and collect it and then make the same amount of stones, all the rest of it, uh, or bricks for that day. And listen, they'd forgotten all about that just because of manna. And they th saw what they had there was better and you see here we never see anything and so what they lost and this is always a case for a church that moves supernaturally see we never see nothing except this banner and yet the pillar of fire was still there every night and the cloud was still there every morning and they'd taken their eyes off the supernatural presence of God breaking in to their community.
They never saw the fire. Also the ark of God's covenant. The place where the Shekinah glory would come down in me. They'd forgotten all that. We never see anything. And yet there it is every morning because it followed them for 40 years. But how quickly we start to look down and we stop looking up seeing the presence of God all around us. You understand? We need to get back to that. See, we need to stop looking at the things that maybe it's just routine. That's all it was. See, the manna was a routine. But you see, in the midst of all the routine, there was still the fiery cloud, the pillar of fire that was there at night. And when they were traveling at night, there the pillar of cloud. When they woke up in the morning and when it was time to journey, there would be the cloud. Also going through the Red Sea, they knew that that cloud as it crossed over the Red Sea, ways would be opened where there was no ways in the past. They'd forgotten all about that. They had stopped seeing that God was amongst them. See, I believe in a church like this, we have to keep those things burning within us to have that resolve of revival. You know, that it's not about stirring things up. It's about looking up. It's not about stirring things up in you. It's about looking up again, seeing his manifest presence, seeing when he comes in. Because let me tell you, the, the supernatural God is still breaking out amongst us. His presence is still here, but we can easily get to look at, well, it's just going on normal day. And I'm sure there's going to be normal days as it was. But let me tell you, when manna is being poured out, there is nothing normal. That comes down at the during the night when there's no need for any activity. Because that's what it said, it descended like dew. Drop your still dews of quietness till all our striving cease. Jew just falls on the ground. Have you ever walked, been out walking at night? And what happens is the dew comes down and, you know, your hair starts to get wet. Particularly now at this time of year, you can go out just as it's getting warmer and yet there's still the moistness in the air. And there's that sense where you don't get under, you don't have to go under, put yourself under a, um, a shower and yet you can be wet with the dew. Can you see? All of these things come to us. And as I say, we never see anything but these things. Why did we have to leave? And yet here, God says, I'm going to do something unexpected. See, in here, he says to Moses, and I'm missing some of the story here, but it says here, the Lord said he was going to give them quail to eat now the thing is you need to look at two things here fish was put in the lower waters that was creation he put fish in the lower waters and that's where they were going to fish to get their food from in Egypt in the Nile which was the the um, the water spirits that's where the water spirits were and so it's a very base place and so here what he does he says I'm gonna send quail where did he put the quail in the upper waters in the sky he filled it with the myriad of birds and all the creatures that fly so that's where he put
put it. So now he was saying to him, I'm taking you from the inferior and I'm wanting to release you to look up to the superior because I am going to meet your need in such a way that it's going to cause your affections to be activated again towards me. See, that's all it needs. When you start to see God moving in unexpected ways, listen to what it says here. It says, Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove the quail in from the sea. Now the thing is this. How did God extend his arm? He released a wind out of himself. There was something that came from within God. See, and I believe that God wants to release something from within himself. He wants to release his unseen presence. That's what the wind represents to us this morning. The unseen presence of God. And it releases, it comes out from God's presence. And I believe that God is going to so move in your life. And there is going to be an unseen presence. The wind is going to blow again. They used to say that in the old Pentecostal days. The wind is blowing again. The wind is blowing again. Just like the days of Pentecost. the wind is blowing again don't we need the wind of the spirit to blow again I need it in my life constantly and so here there's an unseen presence and there's an unexpected place he brought the quail down into the camp and it was three feet high quail just dropped in to the camp And not only that, see, an unexpected place. See, I believe that God's provision for you, if you will focus in on his presence, is going to come in unexpected places for you. I really do. That's going to revive you. And as it drops in, they say, you can read it there, they say, you could walk one day's journey in any direction. And that was the extent of the provision of God, abundance. And it says three million Jews who came out of Egypt. Let me tell you, it says that everyone had 2.2 kilograms of quail to eat every day. That's a lot of meat. Can you see? Listen, what do we get from that? When we... When we have a sense of God's presence again, he releases unexpected provision in places that we never thought they could be brought in. He brings them from the sea and he drops them into their camp, right where there was no need to go out and try and catch fish. God will bring quail to you. I'd rather eat quail sometimes than fish, wouldn't you? And so here, and then there is here the unusual provision see God's going to release unusual provision see that's what revival is all about why so that we can release provision into the lives of other people amen and I believe that God wants us to resolve in our hearts you know Not to work harder, to run faster, to go further. There's a message there, I know. And there'll be a message that I'll preach sometimes on that. But you see, the thing is we need to resolve in our hearts that we're going to seek his presence. 
that's all, and just wait for his unusual forms of provision. See, if Dudley in this region is going to be touched, we need unusual forms of provision. We need God to so release the gifts of the Spirit in such glorious ways where it's not just about coming into church and having a line, and, and I love those times, but it's not just about that. It's about out there. It's about in your place of work. It's about in your family. Amen? It's about wherever you are, God wants you to be the unexpected provision. He's going to blow you into places, and you're going to become the blessing, the unusual provision of God for people who are in need. Amen? And so this morning, I want us, there was something else I was going to say, but I'm going to finish there. And, uh, you know, he will put an end. See, when that happens, God puts an end to all our complaining. And do you know how he does it? Blessing. That's how he does it. Causing us to look upwards and not to look backwards. Causing us to look up and he brings something new that we may have never tasted before. Because there's no mention of quail in Egypt. See, quail is the provision of God for the journey. And I believe that God's got quail for us. I believe if we would just look up and stop looking down at the man and saying, we only see this man to say, no, listen... Yes, I agree that it is manner again this morning. But let me tell you this. I woke up this morning and his faithfulness is still new every morning. Well, how's that? Well, I looked out and there was the cloud, the fire turning to the cloud. That's what it was doing. It was changing even as I looked. And as I looked, the cloud began to move. But as it began to move, I looked over to the tower and there was still the Shekinah glory as the priests were getting everything ready to move. And there was the ark again that says to us that we are accepted into his presence. And there was the place where we could gather together in worship together. Oh yes, it is only manna. But let me tell you this, that manna causes me to look up. John 6.32 says this, that it wasn't Moses who gave you the manna from heaven, it was God. And then he goes on to say, but Jesus is the true bread of heaven. Can you see? So all that I've talked about this morning, it's so that you can focus in on the true bread of heaven. See, Moses gave us the manna, but Jesus gave us the true bread that if you eat of this you'll never die hallelujah if you eat of this bread if you eat of this let me tell you, it changes every day because you see something new about the Lord Jesus you see something wonderful about him you see something in him like you've never seen before he's the true bread and he can be whatever you need him to be because he still is 
the I am who I am. The God who will be all that you need him to be. Why don't you stand this morning? I want to pray for you. Then we're going to break bread together. And listen, if you know the Lord Jesus here this morning, you're invited to be part of just enjoying him. Because we're going to fly together this, um, this morning. You know, we're going to move together. And I want, you, I want you to move into a new place with God this morning. That's what I'd love you to do. That you just come to that place where you say, Trevor, I'm just settling some things in my heart. Not that I'm going to run faster, jump higher, work harder, go further. I'm just going to resolve in my heart just to set my affection back on the Lord Jesus and to receive all that he has for me. And before we break bread, I just want to pray. I want to pray if there's anyone here this morning and in your heart you know you need to meet the Lord Jesus. That is, you've never asked Jesus into your life. Today would be a great day for you to feast upon him, the living bread. And if there's anyone here this morning and you do not know Jesus, I want you to just put up your hand just like this. Is there anyone here today? You just say, Trevor, in my heart, I don't know him. I've never invited him in or prayed a prayer saying, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Forgive me for my sin and be Lord in my life. If you've never prayed that prayer, this morning would be a great day for you to pray it. Anyone here? Okay, now I want to pray for everyone here. Father, would you take us today as we seek to set our affections upon you afresh? Lord, we don't want, we don't want to ever be critical of the provision that you bring into our lives. We don't want to be critical of the things that you have caused us to be part of. Whether that's our family, our church, our community, our nation. Father, we want to look up and to see the glorious things that you've done. That you are the God who supernaturally brings your presence amongst us. Father, I ask that you'd lift our sights up, even this week, that we may set our hearts upon you afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a big clap this morning. And... uh,